Welcome to the CCF Podcast. We're a campus ministry at Truman State University. This podcast features sermons from our weekly worship services. Thanks for listening. Um, my eight-year-old son, it's not a daughter, it's my son right over there, the cool surfer-looking guy with the gold chain. He just walked in with his family, which is my family, and he goes with his eyes wide, Dad, did you already preach? I was like, no. He goes, oh. <laughs> So he thought he caught just the tail end of service, which is when Tab usually likes to roll in right at the end of service. Um, so sorry, I haven't yet, but it's almost over, bud. <clears throat> we mentioned this at some point to some people. Uh, Keith got a whole box right here, this whole box of these little ESV scripture journals. Uh, it's the text of 1 Corinthians on one side and on facing pages blank or maybe like the dotted line or lines. Uh, the idea is um, that you can hang out with just the, the whole text of the letter of First Corinthians and you can mark it up, underline, you can write on the opposite facing page, you can revisit and have layers of thinking and uh, whatever. Uh, our idea is we would love this semester as um, we do First Corinthians on Sundays and Wednesdays through the semester and at morning prayer and on spring break and uh, in the life of our uh, discipleship together, we hope to um, to center around um, First Corinthians, which is just a finger pointing back to God. Uh, but we would love to put this in your hand if you um, think that you might want to read it, might want to engage, uh, mark it up. Um, for now, we'll say... Uh, if you want one, if you think that you don't have to like make a blood oath or anything, but like have a relatively decent idea that you will actually use it, um, they'll be down here. So just come down after service, and if you say yes, then I'll just I'll put it in your hand. Okay. Um, there it is. You can come get one after service. <clears throat> to begin, I have a question. Raise your hand if you think you know. Raise your hand if you're a weird old lady heckling the preacher. Um, oh, yeah. I hadn't worn it in a while. It's in honor of Conrad. He keeps trying to, what's that thing called? What's WhatsApp? That thing. He keeps trying to do that to me, um, but I haven't actually gotten to talk to him yet. So I was, this is my, this is my response to Conrad. I don't know anything about it. Um <clears throat> Um, raise your hand, not if you're a weird old lady, but if you think you know something, you know a thing, raise your hand. Nice and high, be proud. You know a thing, okay. That's nearly unanimous, nearly universal, um, surprisingly. Uh, my hand is going down. Seth, can you do me a favor? I meant to do it earlier, but I've just come up here. It's a bit down. This is where you know things, right? Can you just draw a cross on my forehead, please? Wait, is it furrowed? Good? It's good? Um, Ellie, can we get a haircut uh, pretty soon? Thank you. Uh, for all who raised your hands, please hear this. And if you didn't raise your hand, you don't need to listen. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness 
in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Uh, this is the opening few verses of First Corinthians chapter 2, our text for this eve, after we um, kicked off with chapter 1 on Sunday. Uh, if you were there for that, um, this continues um, this strand of thinking about uh, wisdom. So with wisdom, I ask you, do you know a thing? Pretty reasonable question to raise your hand to. Um, I'm in that camp with you, um, but I, I keep uh, troubling over this verse, Paul telling um, these people who he, came, who he came and preached the gospel to, um, that he didn't come proclaiming the testimony of God with like smart words. He wasn't trying to piece things together just right to convince or persuade them. I can never keep that one straight. He, he didn't care about that, obviously, that distinction. Uh, Paul says, I came to you, um, and you didn't see me as wise, uh, because maybe I'm, I'm not wise. I wasn't trying to be wise. I came to you, I decided to know nothing. Decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a bold verse. It's especially bold because it's the beginning of chapter two and now he's going to go on to write them 14 more chapters of stuff, like he's knowing stuff and talking stuff with them, expecting them to know stuff and think stuff and listen to him and agree with him or disagree with him and work it out. Uh, but nonetheless, um, here it is. And in these first few chapters especially, um, Paul is, he is harping on this. He is talking about how do we know what we know and not just in like an epistemological, like philosophy class kind of way, but how, how do we know what we know about what is important and most important and what our lives are about and what is worth giving our lives to and how do we find God? Um, he, he makes a big deal out of um, how is it that we get there? How do we, how do we know that? Um, and he's writing to a very specific audience of people who think that, they have this uh, Greek philosophical system uh, where what is important is is wisdom. It's, it's wisdom. It's eloquent speech. It's uh, it's oration. It's being not me as a preacher. It's having everything lined up exactly and foolproof. Uh, and he, he's talking to people. You you can think of it a little bit like you know like an academic academia kind of setting, like PhD people. There's a very specific kind of writing that's mostly nonsense. No offense, Leanne. They get, but like if, if you're like working on a PhD, there's like cool stuff there that you're digging into, you're actually learning, you're trying to figure stuff out. But then there's this whole other like weird artifice and this like real in-house, like uh, just citation stuff and the way you have to talk about it. And like, I love talking to people about like, oh, what's your three-year dissertation that you've been working on? And when people begin to talk about it, you realize like, <clears throat> no, I, I love you. That's really cool. Couldn't, I, that's, <clears throat> I don't know. Like lear learning is, learning is really good, uh, but th there's a way of getting caught in that, like a spider in a web, where you just think like, "Oh, this is my key to get to the thing," and then I'll know and I'll be wise. And if you're not careful about the way that you go about that and about the way that that works together with the rest of your learning in your life and your life as a person, then you're like, it's it's bound to crumble. Like that's not that can't be the whole thing. This wise way, this wisdom of the world here for Paul, um, that can't be the only thing. And so he's talking to people who assume that if you're going to convince us of who God is or how God has been manifest or why we should listen to your message, it needs to be persuasive in this way. It needs to be more persuasive than the other people who are telling us, you know, other messages of other things. 
And Paul says, this, so he's, he's writing this letter after he's already been with the people. So we're, we're listening in on an after conversation. We're eavesdropping on a note back. So this isn't from the beginning. It's not Romans. He's not, he's not writing uh, from the ground up and, and making this case, kind of cutting against what he says here. He instead is talking to people um, who he's been with, and he's pointing them back. He's reminding them. He's pleading with them. Um, to recognize and remember and live according to, um, that, that's not actually how it worked. It wasn't because I was so wise that you believed and you had an encounter with Jesus. That's not what did it. So why now are you, are you falling back into doubt about what that was? Why now are you being led astray by people who are telling you, that freaking guy, that bumpkin with his, oh, stuttering, like he's, he's, he's just sweating, not even knowing what he's doing. Uh, look, look at our people. Read this journal. Listen to that. Um, and Paul, Paul says um, through, through this chapter, uh, he, he makes a point of saying, um, the words aren't going to work. He says, when I came and you, and you met Christ, you had an encounter with Christ, it wasn't because I was so smart and I had the perfect words. So stop trying to do that now. That's not going to work. Um, he says, remember, when I came to you, I was among you. I decided to know nothing when I was among you. Um, except Christ and him crucified. So the first half of that, I decided to know nothing among you except Christ. Uh, you could maybe go with that and, and build up some big constructive case about, ooh, nothing about, except Christ. Maybe it's Paul going to start with, you know, Sumerian history and lead the people through an Old Testament thing and like nothing except Christ. How is it that you come to, come to Christ? How is it that Christ comes to you? Paul says, I knew, I knew nothing except Christ. Ooh, right there. <coughs> Uh, and then um, when you get the second half of that, oh, by the way, and him crucified. There is literally a, a draining, an emptying of whatever you thought that constructive case was going to be and whether it was going to be wise or not. A crucifixion is literally the opposite of that. It drains the life out of whatever else is there. It's a, it's a nonsense message. It's foolishness. Nothing except Christ um, and by the way, Christ, who is God with us, um, is, is brought to nothing. Like that, that's what the cross is. It, it, it brings to nothing. It empties. It drains. Whatever message may have been there, because the message is the cross, is, is emptied of itself. It's a self-perpetuating cycle of whatever you think you know and you're going to say and you're going to build and whatever. Oh, but the whole thing is through the lens, the entry point of the cross. And so, of course, that's gone. Um, it sounds like uh, what lots of theologians um, is, since then uh, have, have talked about or have come around to, usually at the end of a life of a pursuit of like deep theological study about God. Um, and and there's, um, uh, there, there are many people who, who come to say something like, now I see that I can nothing know. Now, now I figured out, after all my studying and investigation, um, now I see that I, I don't really know anything. And for some of you with a more like philosophical bent, like take epistemology, um, take faith and reason, it's not here anymore, talk to me. Uh, but th think about those things, like how is it that you know what you know? How do you come to believe what things are true? Like you, you should do that. Um, but for us as a, a community of faith, as, as the body of Christ, um, there's this really important note that here at the beginning of Corinthians um, that, that Paul wants to say, please don't think 
um, your knowledge, your wisdom, that words themselves um, will be enough. They will fail. They're not always unnecessary, um, but they are not um, sufficient. So Paul says, I decided to, to know nothing um, except Christ and him crucified. I came in weakness and in fear and in trembling. And you're supposed to hear, like, in specific contrast to the, the suit and tie, like, very confident PhD lecturer who's going to walk you through all the steps. Um, Paul says that's, that's not what happened. I mean, the reason that, that he, can, he can tell them and plead with them is because something important, maybe even miraculous, did happen. He's pointing them in the first chapter. He said, remember when uh, you, had, you lacked nothing? All speech and knowledge, everything was there confirming the testimony about Christ. In, in whatever it was when Paul uh, uh, went to these people and they encountered Christ, he's pointing to um, there was something uh, of power. There wasn't, it wasn't just me talking. Here he calls it a demonstration of the spirit and of power. He said, I, I didn't come with wise words. Um, when I came, I'm like kicked along by God. Uh, and his spirit um, moves through me and, and brings powers. It's not because of me. It's not because of the way that I put the words together. Um, I've encountered Christ, and now I'm an ambassador br- bringing Christ around. Um, and Paul says, um, God is the one who does that. And the way that he doesn't does it is not um, through constructing the right logical, wordy, Baptist Bible study kind of like case. No offense, Baptist. <clears throat> in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. <clears throat> so when theologians come to the end of their lives, Thomas Aquinas, uh, he said um, he had a, a mystical encounter with God, a, a deep, inexplicable spiritual experience. Um, this is a man who, who wrote the Summa Theologica, the sum of theology. Here's all. There's the, everything you need to know about God talk, and it's just go to the library and check it out. It's like, Volume, 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 volume. This is a man who is like deeply committed to understanding the faith and trying to see the world through the lens of the gospel and all of that. Um, and then towards the end of his life, uh, he had a, a deep, abiding, mystical encounter uh, with Christ. And he said, in light of the things I've now seen, I look at everything I wrote as straw. <clears throat> You can't do that when you're a freshman, by the way. Like, it takes walking through and doing all of that in order to be able to see it that way. So it's not an excuse to not turn in your homework and do your papers and all of that. It is to say this. The way that we come to Christ, the way that God uh, uh, comes to us through Christ, um, is in something other than um, just eloquent words. Uh, And so in this next section... All hope is not lost. Uh, we, we do encounter God, and wisdom is even important. Paul says, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Oh, okay, good. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age, the rules the world works by, understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things, that's what God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. 
So there is a wisdom um, that comes. Uh, but Paul says, pay attention. Um, it's not through what you saw. It's not through what you heard. Eloquent words from me. It's not even the imaginings of your heart, your mind. It's not something you can imagine. Um, and so Paul is pointing to a, a weird, strange, deep, maybe intuitive uh, kind of logic of Christ that, that is wisdom. And he's talking to people who he knows for a fact um, were with him as they experienced the revealing of Christ. This is what God gave you. This is what God did for you. It came at a level somewhere below our, our speaking and listening. And so Paul's confident to, to tell the people, remember that this has happened? Th- think about that. Or, or uh, more really, li- live in that. Um, and stop trying to get a hold of that by putting words to it and explaining it or putting words to it to dismiss it. Um, Paul says, I know that you can't deny this thing that happened. I, I was there and it happened. And, w- and what is that? That's Christ being revealed in us, to us. What no eye has seen nor ear heard, our hearts can't imagine it. This is what God has prepared um, for those who love him. And so if, if we come and we think about uh, what is the way that God comes to us, what's the way that we come to God, um, of course there's talking and of course there's seeing and of course all of that. Uh, but, but the spiritual organ, the sensory perception um, that most gets us in touch with the way that God actually moves and works in the world um, is, is something at least more than those things, sight or hearing, imagination. Um, here, uh, this is from Isaiah, what God has prepared for those who love him. It might seem obvious, but there's, there's an important consideration um, that in your pursuit of God or your receptivity to God, um, it, in your love for God, you are opened up beyond your hearing, beyond your seeing, um, to ways of experiencing God and receiving him. So Paul's talking to people um, who, who beyond their hearing and sight um, ha- have received Christ uh, through, through their love for him, uh, for each other. In the mutuality of the body of Christ, those things are, are made real, and there's a spiritual experience that comes there that can't, it can't be explained in, in, in terms of, of worldly wisdom. Paul's pointing to um, th- this, this wisdom um, was not acquired. You, you didn't work at it. This was imparted from God. This is, this is a gift of God. The most that we can hope to be is humble receptors of, of this gift from God. In fact, this is exactly what the people are. This is exactly what Paul is pointing to. This is exactly why he's flabbergasted that they're trying to turn what was a humble gift received from God um, into something that they can explain and control or dismiss. The words aren't going to work. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. 
For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We're just flying through the passage here, but there's a, a, a few things that I, I, I want us to key in on. <clears throat> Augustine, an old theologian, um, he said, if you think you have understood God, and I'm hearing him thinking in terms of uh, wisdom here that you have, uh, you've become smart enough, eloquent enough to, to hear or receive. If you think you've understood God, you think you know a thing, if you think you've understood God, uh, Augustine says, it is not God. So you, you maybe understand something, you've seen something, uh, but if you're claiming to have understood God, to have gotten a, a handle on, a grasp on, on God, then you can know for sure um, that that thing, that's not God. That's some little piece, that's some little trickle, that's a shadow, uh, but that's, that's not God. And there's a, I'll just I'll take a shot. There's a, a, a more vivid version of this. I think it's actually, it's like stronger. Um, there's a Buddhist monk from know, the 11th century or something. Um, he said, if you see Buddha walking on the road, you know what he said? If you see Buddha walking on the road, kill him. That's what this guy said. To just, well, hold on, hold on. It's the same idea. If you think you've understood God, don't worry, that's not God. So if you think that you see the Buddha, the, you know, the, the, the true reality, if you think you see that, go ahead and kill that because you can be confident that's not the real thing. The real Buddha, in, in this case for this, this Buddhist monk, like is, is something other than what you can see, what you can hear, what your mind can grasp. So when we're on the way um, toward, toward finding God, toward finding the truth, um, we, we know that it's, that it's all provisional. Every step, everything, all, all, everything our minds have put together, um, that's, that's maybe a step on the way there, but hold on, you're not there. You haven't, you haven't reached God. You don't have all of God like wrapped up in your arms. <clears throat> if you think you've understood God, it is not God. And the, the understand there, um, I think we can, we can hold in contrast to um, the way that Paul talks about like, what is our spiritual, sensory, receptive organ? How does, how does God come to us? How can we perceive, approach? I mean, if you come to sermon discussion tomorrow or in my small group next week, there's a lot of um, the really interesting verbs and words through this passage um, that, that I think point toward, that hint at. Paul says, I didn't come proclaiming, I didn't come speaking all these eloquent words. I was among you. He says, I was, I was with you. There's a presence, uh, his presence with them was more important than them receiving these words that he said. Uh, uh, here, what your, eye, what your eye hasn't seen, what your ear hasn't heard, what you cannot imagine, um, for those who love God, God has given these things freely and, and then now they're yours and, and they're real and you experience them. Uh, love as, as a way um, of apprehending God uh, is here. And there, there's, a, there's a, a knowing thing going on um, all the way, a few different words um, for knowing. For who has understand, who, who has understood, who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Paul's rhetorical question here at the end. You think you can know the mind of God? Who has known the mind of God? No one, but we have the mind of Christ. Another, like, kind of, it, it bypasses the, the perception sort of thing. You don't see, you don't hear, you just... You have. It's been imparted to you as a gift. We have the mind of Christ. It doesn't mean that we can now understand God. We don't know him in that way. We, we in fact, have the mind of Christ. We're in Christ. 
This is in line with the way that Paul and most of the rest of the New Testament talks about um, what is happening. You're not signing a declaration. You're not signing a pledge. Uh, you are united with Christ. You are now with him. We are among each other as the body of Christ. Uh, not, not simply um, to use our words to prove to each other how smart we are or that we can get to God. We, we have the mind of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And Paul wants to, to contrast um, the, the, the worldly wisdom um, that thinks that you can explain that or dismiss that, um, build that up. Um, it's a fact. It's a gift that is given. Um, if you have experienced that, if you've had these moments of uh, encounter with Christ, um, you, you probably know that you can't, if, if you try to talk about it, it sounds silly. Well, you see, I was walking at Thousand Hills and then I was bathed in the love of God. Are you sure? Was it just like a cloud pastor? Like, are you sure? Well, you see, like, this whole thing with my mom for all these years and then we had this moment where we were sipping tea and, like, like all was forgiven. And you're like, eh. Are you sure? Because did you say, did you list everything? Did you, did you say it all? Like, how, are, are you sure? Um, I, I'm gonna, I want to take a second. I want you to take a second. Um, and I, I want you um, to consider, there's no right word to use here. Think about, consider. Uh, what has no eye seen? What has no ear heard? What can your heart not even imagine? Uh, but for you um, who love God, um, you, you have encountered Christ. Christ has been made revealed. Christ has been revealed. Um, Christ has been made real um, in or among you. Um, a demonstration of the spirit of, or of power. Um, a deep spiritual sensory experience that goes beyond like you just understood the words. Um, I, I want you to th consider for a moment, call to mind um, some, some time where this has happened for you. What no eye has seen nor ear heard or the heart of a person imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things, God, you have revealed to us through your spirit. For your spirit searches everything, even the depths of yourself. Who has understood your mind, Lord, to instruct you? but we have the mind of Christ.